Welcome to the Commander-in-Chief Podcast. I'm Yuri Kruman, founder and CEO of Commander-in-Chief Media Group, award-winning chief people officer and keynote speaker, author of five books, Fortune 500 consultant and corporate trainer, and contributor to Fast Company, Forbes, Entrepreneur, and Newsweek. Our mission at Commander-in-Chief Media is to help 100 million people around the world in the next 10 years to do their life's best work in the here and now through storytelling, educational media, thought leadership, HR consulting, corporate training, coaching, speaking, and authentic high-quality writing, helping people become their own Commanders-in-Chief. Now, if you're interested in being a guest on the Commander-in-Chief podcast, stick around until the end of the show. We will share with you what we're looking for and how to apply. Hey guys, this is Yuri Kruman, host of the Commander-in-Chief podcast. Today, I'm really excited to talk to someone from a totally different industry from what we usually cover. It's uh, it's tech, but it's it's maybe dressed up in a little bit different uh, context. But it's uh, very timely in terms of news cycle. It's, it's something that I think is actually a really big deal. So I'm excited to talk to Tyler Robertson of Diesel Laptops. Tyler, welcome to the show. Please, uh, please tell us about yourself. Yeah, thanks, Yuri. I appreciate coming on the show. Um, and you're right. Uh, it, all of a sudden, logistics and transportation has been thrust in the spotlight with everything going on in the world today. Mm-hmm. And our company, at the heart of what we do, is we provide efficiency solutions to people to fix trucks that are broken down. So that's diagnostic tools, it's training classes, it's repair information. It, it's all the things you need to be efficient at fixing a truck. And I won't get into intricacies. Let's just say there's a lot of room for opportunity in that in that space. And the business side of the story, it was it was what seven years ago. I, I quit my full time job. I had a, a one year old and a three year old and a wife that didn't work. Uh, she's a stay at home mom. And I quit my job, uh, which was a very good paying job, to come do this thing at Diesel Laptops full time. And through the last seven years now, we've bootstrapped this thing uh, to over fifty million a year in annual revenue. Uh, we're still growing at 30% a year, year over year. We had about 200 employees. And we did it the hard way. We did it without taking in a bunch of investment money. We we didn't take on any debt. We just bootstrapped it uh, from the first sale all the way up to what we're doing today. So it's landed us on the Inc. 500 list, the Inc. 5000 list, fastest growing companies in South Carolina. We've won some awards through the Small Business Association. So it's been a crazy wild ride. And I always tell people, we didn't plan for any of it. We just We just kind of went with the opportunities as they were in front of us and there's plenty of opportunities when you start really poking at things. That's beautiful. I love seeing that. You know, we, we talked to a lot of uh, tech CEOs and it's like, well, you know, we took on like uh, one of my guests uh, so far. He's like, no, I'm sitting there one day and I'm like deciding what to build. I have, you know, 23 things on my list and I'm going down and I choose 18. I want to build a LiDAR. Okay. Really an engineer, clearly attracted a bunch of others. And an investor comes and says, look, I'm going to invest in you. Here's a million dollars. Like it's an awesome story, but it's, it's just not that common, right? Yeah. Most of us have to start really from the bottom. We have, we have to be everything from the CEO to the janitor and, you know, really just slowly build it against crazy, you know, headwinds, against crazy odds and, and often in something that doesn't seem maybe the most sexy subject that we have to explain to people, like just go back, get a job, right? So the journey is really tough. I really appreciate hearing a story like this because I think it should be celebrated. But also, like the point of this is not just to rah rah rah; it's to actually see what what is it that you did in those moments that were really 
freaking rough, right? When, and say, your wife is saying, you know, what the hell are you doing? You're like putting our family at risk. I know, I know this scenario quite well. I think a lot of entrepreneurs do as well. So I salute you, number one. Uh, number two, I think let's let's go a little bit deeper into the actual substance, the technology, the, the actual work that you do. I think it would be very helpful for listeners to really understand, you know, where where your technology comes into play. Yeah, and I can talk about it in two phases, kind of the way the world works today and the way the world's going to work tomorrow. So so today's world is very similar. So everyone listening to this owns a car, a bike, something, right? And eventually you have a problem. A check engine light comes on or makes a noise or you get an oil leak or whatever happens. And you bring your vehicle to the repair shop and they diagnose it and they figure out what parts you need and then they fix it. They give you a quote and all those things that happen in the process and, and you're on your way. So that's, a, that's the reactive model that exists today. So in that model today, we play the part of helping people do the diagnostics. So commercial trucks got very complicated. So if anyone's opened the hood of their personal car, they probably saw all kinds of wiring and sensors and all kinds of things going on. Very much, much more complicated than 20 years ago in the automotive world. And heavy duty trucks are about 10 to 15 years behind automotive. So just now with, uh, with heavy duty trucks, you're starting to see in the last 10 years, all the emission requirements to make the diesel engines clean. That was a big thing that we all went through. Now we have the government saying, hey, now you got to get more fuel efficient on your truck. So there's more technology and more things on the engine to improve fuel efficiency. And just now we're starting to see all the standard safety stuff that's an automotive. So Mm -hmm. people don't quite understand heavy duty trucks traditionally don't have airbags. They don't have nothing. They got a seatbelt. And now they never had the lane guidance and the radars and the, the adaptive cruise control and all these safety systems that are really becoming standard in today's trucks. Those are just now starting the last two years or so to make their way into heavy duty. And then throw into that the complication with robots driving trucks and electrification going on. There's a lot of change going on in the heavy truck industry. Um, But it's a big problem because, as you know, logistics is all over the news. I was just at the movie theater yesterday with my family. We're all excited. We're going to a movie. Haven't been to a while. We get there. We buy our tickets. We get up to the parts counter to the counter to go to go get some to get some snacks. They were out of everything. No popcorn, no candy. They go, we have, we have Coke and Diet Coke, uh, Diet uh-huh. Pepsi. It's all we have. I'm like, how, how can you have nothing? And we end up talking to a manager and he said, you know what? We, we got an honor. You know, a lot of people came over the holidays, the movies. Trucks aren't showing up with the products like they should. And we, we got nothing. And there's nothing we can do about it. And it's, it goes back to the logistics side of it. And there's a couple problems going on there. And one of them is it takes way too long to fix things when they're broken down. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a long process. I just did a post on LinkedIn where a guy was waiting 10 days for a $300 part to get his truck moving again. It's things like that that go on every single day in our industry that causes the ripple effects of the things that consumers see in the marketplace. So where we are today is we're helping people be efficient once there is a problem, but the world's already changed. People haven't seen it yet, but it has, and it's a proactive model. And what's changed is what you see with Tesla and some of these other companies is they take data off the vehicles that's driving down the road. And they use machine learning and analytics mm-hmm. to actually figure out before you even have a problem. Yep. Now, if you can figure out before you have a problem and you own a bunch of trucks that are delivering goods, you can then plan for them to be down and choose where they go and mm-hmm. where they go to make sure they have the parts on hand, the right technicians, the right tools exactly. to actually fix that truck. So that's the way the world's changing. And it's already started to. People just don't realize it, but it changes everything in this huge automotive and heavy duty space. Because now we're not reactive, we're proactive, and different people make decisions on what parts and where things go and how things get fixed. 
So it's really an exciting time in the logistics space on the repair side, which is this industry that nobody even knows really exists, but it's a really big industry. Uh, somewhere around $70 billion a year is spent on labor and parts fixing commercial trucks. So it's a, so it's a big part of it. billion with a B, and that's, that's what, pretty massive. Uh, I think people really it, need to realize <laughs> it, this is... Is it like the magic elves that make the whole economy run, kind of, in a, in a way? Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. people never paid attention much to the trucks going up and down the road. And then COVID, again, you know, thrust them into the spotlight. But mm-hmm. they break down. They're mechanical. They have problems. And what happened in our, in our industry is there's a couple of real shortages going on. Oh. Number one is diesel techs. Mm-hmm. So this right now, if you go on the Internet, there's an estimated 80,000 open jobs for diesel techs. Technical schools will produce less than 10,000 this year. And that number gets worse and worse every year. So you got less diesel techs on hand. And now things also got way more complicated to fix. And the people that make the trucks, they don't want to give that information away free to the general public because they want to go to their dealers. So now everyone's trying to fix trucks, doesn't have access to tools, to information and those things. And that's where we step in at our company. So you have all kinds of perfect storm going on of everything happening. And at the end of the day, it puts us in a great position because we're the company that's saying, hey, we're going to make some solutions and bring them to the marketplace. And in a B2B world, it's not about money and what it costs. It's about how much time it saves somebody. So when you're talking commercial trucks that are, you know, 150, 180, $200,000 hauling expensive loads, it, the dollar prices for tools don't matter that much or what they have to pay for parts. There's a bigger, a bigger thing going on in their space. Very cool. Yeah. So, I mean, again, the first place where people usually start getting really antsy and angry is like, my Amazon package didn't come. <laughs> you know, like, holidays are coming up. I'm going to... Okay. But like, you know, the guts, the guts of what makes that work are maybe they're not the most glorious thing. It's not like, you know, uh, what Silicon Valley is running after because they're all about self-driving and maybe lighter, et cetera. This, this is really fun, foundational. Without this, things could be even much, much worse. Massive driver shortage, right? Um, I wanted to ask you, actually, I'm really curious, right? Because we kind of had the conversation with Omer uh, uh, Kilaf, uh, who runs Inoviz, right? They're, they make this uh, LiDAR technology and, you know, they're publicly traded. So that's kind of like the, the more top-down approach, right? So they partner with automakers and, you know, they're, they're trying to create, I mean, again, I'm not an expert, but I know that level three uh, autonomous driving is kind of like, that's that's where people are aiming for. I think it's kind of much more fully operated remotely. Um, so I'm I'm actually curious to hear you know from your perspective because you also have to think about your business where it's going to go let's see, in the next five to ten years. Once let's say you have a lot more autonomous uh, heavy trucks, right? So I mean I, I know Tesla's working on this. You have at least probably half a dozen other companies that are pretty advanced. So you know how much of this maybe goes from okay the driver now. Uh, has tools, right? So again, I, I I don't know much about your actual technology, but I imagine it's it's something that, sure, it's a laptop with some kind of sensor, something that you can plug in and sort of you know diagnose what the hell is going on in that in that engine or in that block. Again, I'm I'm not the expert in this stuff, but just basic basic understanding. So what does that look like? Let's say five to ten years down the road, is this much more sort of you know autonomous, uh, rather? Uh, monitoring uh, virtually? Is this much more software? So what does this look like, I guess, from your perspective? Yeah, so good good question. And you're absolutely right. So today's world, this reactive world that we're in, you need three things to hook up to a truck. You need, you need a, a laptop or a computer or a tablet. You need an interface device to go between the truck and your, your PC. Mm-hmm. And you need software. 
Uh, and there's all kinds. There's aftermarket, there's OEM, there's, there's options there. So, you know, at Diesel Lab Test, we provide our solution plus everybody else's solution. And we just surround mm-hmm. the services around it. So we're the company that comes in and says, oh, you buy a tool. We'll also give you repair information. We'll give you diesel technician training. And we'll give you a call center staff with diesel techs to help fix your stuff over the phone and over the Internet. So we're, we're kind of unique in that way. But in the way you're talking is exactly the way we see the world going, mm-hmm. because now data is coming off the vehicles as they're driving down the road. Uh, and it's amazing. So we sell these $10,000 diagnostic tools to hook up to get fault codes and do other things. I mean, that technology is shrinking like everything else. And now we have a tool we just came out with this year, this last year, that's Bluetooth. So uh, you can buy a $350 tool and pair it with your phone and read codes and do reading prayers and triage work. So the way we see it working is our company, while we've traditionally been selling hardware and software to help people fix things, mm-hmm. we see us more becoming a services and software company. And then the customers decide which hardware they need to fit their needs. So for an example, if you own an independent shop, you may need our $10,000 package in your shop, but you're probably going to want a bunch of less expensive tools for your mobile truck guys, your tow trucks, individual technicians in the bays. And you need to get all that data off the vehicles and put them on centralized platforms, let them look at the same data. And so it becomes a, it's really becoming a conversation about collecting data off vehicles and standardizing data off vehicles. That's, that's the future of truck repair. And it's already the, what's happening in automotive. Like just, just at the store, I have a 2020 GMC Sierra. First thing I do when I bring it in there, they hook it up to the diagnostic port and do an ECM download. And that stuff doesn't happen today in the commercial truck world, but it's starting to. And that's one of our big pushes is to say, we need to start doing this stuff. And here's all the benefits of doing this. And it really doesn't cost that much. We just got to make it simple and easy for people to use. And it hasn't been. So everything we look at is, let's just make it simple. Let's make it easy. But that future five, 10 years from now, it's going to be us with a huge call center, helping people remotely, proactively, and reactively fix the things that they have. Um, this, this, the problems that our industry has doesn't get solved by throwing more labor at it. It gets solved by throwing more labor at it and by having technology take out a lot of inefficiencies in the process. So that's what we get focused on. That's interesting. So do you think it's just going to be Amazon and Walmart trucks uh, coursing the country autonomously? <laughs> so my, you know, you know, I've been following obviously Amazon for a long time. and my senior VP of HR, he actually used to work at Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've talked to some Amazon executives over there. So, you know, they're really good at taking middlemen out of the supply chain, right? Like that's what they've yeah. been doing since day one. First, they were just brokering other company. First, they hired brokers. Then it became their own brokerage company. Mm-hmm. Now they bought their own trucks, their own planes, their own boats. They're just, yeah. They just keep taking pieces out and owning the whole thing. And it's a smart mm-hmm. move on their part to do mm-hmm. that. So, you know, even they have challenges. I mean, you talked about the Amazon package in your example. I know it happens to us too. It doesn't get delivered when it should. And a lot of that's because there's just so many packages out there to get delivered and there's not enough trucks. 2021, uh, 2020 actually, because that's the data we have, was yeah. the first year there was less commercial trucks on the road than when the year started. And that's mm-hmm. because nobody built new trucks and trucks age out. And now we have a huge glut and the factories, they're booked up for the next 18 months building trucks and they can't even get components. So it's not like I'm going to spare trucks sitting around now. So if someone breaks down in one spot, it's that ripple effect of all of a sudden everybody else is getting delayed and things aren't happening and it gets ugly really quick out there with freight getting moving around. So the way the way I'm seeing this, again, I'm, I'm just kind of a more or less a bystander who sees different pieces moving. But let's say um, actually I have a friend I just spoke to from uh, GM Ventures here in Israel. And, um, you know, I... I Again, I'm not an expert in automotive, but I kind of like, okay, I have friends. Uh, one is building a, like a software, a battery 
software optimization uh, company out in Los Angeles. Um, you know, we had uh, Omer on the show from Innovis, right? They're all about LiDAR. And kind of like, uh, there's another guy, Sharon Maximov, he's uh, building a, a, also, I think, autonomous driving company, maybe even in trucking out in San Francisco. So I brought up all these companies and she's like, yeah, we know about them. Don't worry, we got it. Let's say within X number of years, let's say you're in a position where you own a ton of this data. And of course, everything is about data and what you do with it and how you train AI and ML on it. Um, do you see yourself kind of pivoting into that direction where, you know, you're the operating system for a lot of these, let's say, autonomous uh, heavy truck driving companies? Yeah, I mean, at the heart of what we do is we understand the mechanical and electrical side of commercial trucks really well. So a lot of what you're describing is things that we're spending a lot of time and money on. We got to be able to know what's happening with these vehicles. We got to be able to get data off them through a bunch of different tools and third parties and our company's products and standardize all that data. And you're right. I didn't, I didn't realize I was in the data game until about a year and a half ago. We started having some good conversations with some bigger companies. Um, and the, it's amazing how quickly the world's changing. And again, COVID, I hate to keep bringing it up, but it really, it really sped things up. So companies before didn't really care about a lot of stuff. And all of a sudden, everything wants to get digitized and standardized and data needs to come through and, and all these things need to happen. Um, and it, you're all right. It's crazy to see. I mean, Too Simple is a company that just went on the, on the market. They're publicly traded. And they, do, they don't make trucks. They make the technology that makes autonomous driving trucks. Yeah. Um, so you're starting to see a lot of that, that type of thing. Um, I think there's a huge... you know. In our world, I follow obviously all the commercial truck a lot. So Nicola's out there and some of those guys. Um, it, it's going to be really interesting in the next couple of years to see how everything pans out with all this technology and all these things happening. Uh, you talk about self-driving trucks. I had the pleasure of actually speaking with one of the foremost experts on it. He's worked for the federal government and other governments and universities and done studies. And you're right. They, they all want to get to that. You know, I, I think it's like level zero and they go to level five or four or something. And they're all trying to get there. Um, it's just, it's really difficult. They, they can get like 99% of the way there, but that 1% where, where people die, right? When things That's go it. wrong. Exactly. So they, they, they got to figure that out. It's yeah. going to be, it's going to be a while before we see trucks driving up and down the road, delivering freight. And but even when they do, what people don't, what people don't realize is the truck drivers are usually the ones loading and unloading the trucks. They're not just driving ah. from point A to B. So, exactly. so you're still going to need drivers. However, this pans out. Um, and I think you'll see it like EVs, like EV, EVs in commercial world, they're doing great with like school buses. It fits yeah. that market really well. And I think, I think autonomous trucks, you'll find the same thing. It'll, it fits certain market segments really well. For example, why have a driver sit in a yard for six hours waiting to get unloaded just to jockey a truck around? Like let that guy go from point A to B and let the computer control it in a five mile an hour controlled environment, not, not doing 80 down the freeway with 80,000 pounds on it. So I think you're going to see certain little niches where it starts to, to grab hold and it'll go, but it, it's going to take a while. I mean, look at Tesla. It took them 10 years to get, you know, less than 10% market share. Um, of course, they're, you know, a $3 trillion company or whatever they are now. But, you know, it takes a long time for the market to adopt and accept. And in, in our world of commercial trucks, pricing is a big factor and weight's a huge factor. Yeah. So, so today's EV trucks, like you take a diesel class eight truck uh, sleeper and you put an EV one next to it. That EV one weighs like another 10,000 pounds. And that's a big problem because that's 10,000 pounds less that tractor can haul. And yeah. guess what? Those guys get paid on the pounds they haul is, is, how, that, is how that world works. So there's some, there's some challenges to get through there. And then the cost point. I know Nicola came out and said, we're going to sell our EV trucks for $250,000 each. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and well, that's about a hundred grand more than they can buy a diesel engine for. And Nicholas mm-hmm. said, Oh, by the way, we're losing $250,000 every time we sell. Yeah, them small, small so <laughs> so, so it, it's going to take a long time for the economies of scale and, and the yeah. grid and, and all these things to happen. Uh, as much as the media loves to put it out in the news. I mean, it's, it's still some futuristic stuff, but they do a good job of, uh, you know, putting stuff out there in the media. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's a long tail kind of situation. I mean, you know, laws and regulations have to line up. Labor has to line up. Technology has to make sense, right? There have, has to be some kind of servicing um, infrastructure, which doesn't really exist widely. So it'll, it'll be a while. It'll be a while before data eats the world. Eventually it will. Actually, as a quick side note, um, we had a guest, uh, the episode came out last week, um, Ariel Asarov, who runs Square Logics. Uh, we talked a lot exactly about this point, about how data is present in everything. And, you know, it's all about making sense of that data and, and then doing something with it, whether it's simple data just collected from enterprises or something a lot more complex that is, again, trained by AI and ML to produce something much more emergent and predictive. So yeah. definitely something to watch out for. Let's uh, pivot a little bit um, I'm very curious. So um, again, I read on your LinkedIn, uh, you, you went to Rochester Tech and then, uh, you know, you kind of eventually ended up sort of in this trucking world and then eventually you built your own company. But I'm really curious. Look, I, I myself, I'm in my sixth career and I've done everything from neuroscience, law, finance, tech, coaching and consulting and PR, of course. Right. So I'm always curious to hear sort of how people end up doing what they do, you know, with some kind of experimentation or something that maybe didn't pan out because it wasn't well aligned. So the, the joke in our industry and every, every repair shop, parts play, everyone I've ever talked to says the same thing. None of us planned to be here in this space. We all just got here by accident, right? So, so that's kind of the joke going on. But in my case, I got kicked out of college. I, I didn't go to classes and I flunked out and they, they booted me out. And I had to go home, tail tuck between my legs and, and go tell my dad how, you know, that mortgage he took on the house with my tuition. I just kind of wasted it. Um, and that was a hard pill to swallow. And uh, luckily, he, you know, he was an entrepreneur. He owns the businesses. He's like, hey, no problem. I got a job. We're, uh, yeah, we're, we're, I need you for manual labor. <laughs> right. So yeah. I go, I go from a, out of computer engineering at college to blue collar shoveling dirt to, to just figure out my life. Uh, but it ended up being the best thing that ever happened to me getting kicked out of college because that building I was building was my family. They bought a truck dealership. And that's how I got involved in the truck dealership in the truck world. So, um, I helped build the building and then you help setting up all the desktop computers and the shop computers and servers. And someone had to learn the ERP software mm-hmm. and I was like the computer guy. So I was the one that just kind of kept doing that stuff. Um, and I started to understand it really well. And this is for me, I've been in this industry now, essentially since I got kicked out of college a little over 20 years ago. Um, so it, it's one of those places you don't really intend to be. I didn't even intend to start my own company. I was working happily for somebody else uh, at a truck dealership group doing all kinds of things. I loved it. Uh, but I also had my side business going on and the, uh, the owner, the, the person I taught, I reported to was the owner's daughter. She came to me one day and she said, Tyler, good news. We're giving you a 10% pay increase or doubling your bonus this year. I go, oh, that's odd. Cause that was like three months ago. I just got my bonus in review. So what's happening? And she's like, Oh, you need to quit your side business. I'm like, well, I don't, I don't want to quit my side business. <laughs> it's like, well, then you need to resign. I'm like, Oh, okay. So I, I was, I was going to resign. Um, and actually it was my wife that convinced me to give it a shot. And we were fortunate to be in a great spot. We've always been smart with money. We had no debt. Uh, we had cash in the bank. I had my side business that had a little bit of traction going. And we both sat down and we said, you know what? 
even if I stay, they could fire me tomorrow. And then I, then I have nothing. I don't control my own destiny here. I yeah. go try this thing. If it doesn't work, we'll give it a couple months. And if it doesn't work out, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm pretty uh, hireable in the marketplace. I'll go find another job somewhere else. Let's just give it a shot. And, you know, here we are, you know, seven years later, sold close to $200 million in products when I add it all up. Um, so it's, it's been, it's been a crazy adventure and, you know, that's just life though. You get, you get thrown some, some hand grenades and you just got to figure out how to, how to throw them back over the wall. And that's, uh, I've been lucky in that fortune situation, but it's beautiful. Thank you for yeah. sharing that. Cause not, I think a lot of people can come on the show and well, you know, I was like, uh, I've interviewed a lot of people from Israel. So this is, this is a, a very, very different kind of narrative here. It's like, yeah, you know, I was in the military intelligence. There's this unit in 200 and that's very common. Sorry, if not that, it's another unit. Everyone does the army here, right? So and then, like, uh, they just recruit right from the unit or, like, I worked at this startup and then I left to build with some friends. Totally different animal, right? So I really, there's no, you know, good or bad, better or worse. It's it's just, it's really cool to hear a story like that where the pivot point was not like, you know, what everyone thinks, what the media says. Oh, you jump, you know, whole hog into whatever. No, it's actually by far not the smartest thing to jump fully into something without some kind of insurance, some kind of handbrake, some kind of you know social support as well. You need all that because that's that's the stuff that's going to keep you sane and also grounded. Yeah, hundred crazy journey, right? It it is, and you know that's the other one too. Is I, I thought as the company was growing, I was like, oh, the risk will get the risk will get smaller, and I, I was completely wrong. The risk got bigger. They had more commas, more zeros yeah. in in the decisions you make. Um, so it, it's really interesting. It's been a great experience for me the last seven years, learning how to be a CEO, learn how to be a leader in a company and getting everyone rowing the boat in the same direction. And it, it's really tough as your company grows. I mean, it's, you have to run it totally different at 200 employees versus one employee and 10 employees and 50 employees and hundred employees. You great subject. Them. That's exactly what I wanted to ask you next. So one of, one of my priorities as, you know, head of HR is, is to ask entrepreneurs, what's your philosophy around people management? How, how is that expressed in practical terms? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't get it two years ago. I, things were going good. Sales were skyrocketing, but then we started kind of kind of plateau. We weren't we weren't all of a sudden like doubling revenue and doing these crazy growths. And I had just brought on a senior VP, and he's like, he goes, I, I think we need to bring Peter in here. And I, I knew who Peter was because me and him both had used him at a, another company we had both worked at. He was a management consultant, specifically mm-hmm. over growing pains. So we we brought him in here, and we've been working with him ever since. Um, and you know what we found out was is the only way our company can grow is I needed to give up control on a lot of things. And I needed to bring in a lot of the right people in the, mm-hmm. into the organization. And the people we had in the organization that were in leadership roles, a lot of them had never been. They, you, a, a great story. My director of operations, he's like my right-hand guy here. He's the go-to guy for everybody. Mm-hmm. When I first hired him, he was making pizzas and he knew nothing about truck stuff. But he's been one of the people that have been able to understand what we're trying to accomplish and grow mm-hmm. and learn. And he's like a, he's like a sponge. So when we went through that process, we had some managers and leaders who just came to us and said, I can't do this. Like, what else do you have for me? I want to go back to just selling or just doing this other thing. And that's great. And they tapped out. And then there was a couple, we had to tap them out for them because they weren't getting it. And we could just see they weren't learning. And unfortunately it's people that helped me start the company. And those are hard conversations to have, like with my sales manager, like, yeah, Hey buddy, you got me from zero to 20 million, but I, I got to find something else for you because you're not the guy going forward. 
And when you have those conversations, he was actually relieved. He was like, great, because I don't like doing this anymore. I just want to go back to selling because I make a lot of money there. I don't like managing people. And those are conversations you have to do as a company to keep growing. So um, even this year, you know, we said, hey, we really need to look more and more like a software company. We're still doing this hardware kit business. I don't know what a software company looks like. I'm a truck repair guy. I work at truck dealerships. I have no idea what a software company. I didn't, you know, so this year we, I learned what, you know, what's Kanban boards are and scrum masters and DevOps and, uh, you know, all these things that we need to have. And I'd only learn those things because we brought in the right third parties and we brought in the right, we hired the right employees and leaders who had expertise doing those things. Um, so those were hard bullets for me to bite when one day we sat down and said, we want to do this and do the math. They're like, okay, I got to go spend a million dollars in labor this year to do that. Is it worth it? And for us, we always say we'd rather find out and then not not even try, not even know. So let, let's go find out. So I can say going through that process, though, we skyrocketed. We kind of plateaued a little bit and it skyrocketed back again now the last 18, 24 months. So I know what we're doing is working and the market's responding. Fantastic. Yeah, that's that's a very good kind of straightforward uh, way of putting it. I mean, my, my philosophy is the same. You have to, if you're a leader, you have to empower people, trust them, hire the right people, make sure they fit in and get the hell out of the way, right? You hire them because they're supposed to tell you what to do. And if you yeah. handcuff them or if you just, you know, uh, we only only my internal guys, right? You're going to tap out at some point. It doesn't work. So I really, I, I applaud that. I think it's it's... It takes a certain kind of person to just say, you know what? Okay, I don't have all the answers and I'm going to bring in people that can tell me what to do, right? It's it's not a given. A lot of leaders are very much like command and control. It's my baby. No, 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 no. Love hearing this. This is uh, balls into a head of HR's ears. It's, it, it, it's hard. I mean, I, I have one employee. He was literally like employee number one before mm-hmm. I even started full time. And it got to the point where, you know, he, he had to make a decision. We unfortunately had to put an ultimatum, much like I did. And I had yeah. to do the, what's right for the company. And he was really hurt by it. And he, you know, he's like, man, I've been here since the beginning, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I know, but you're not doing these things we're asking you to do. And I can't treat you differently. I got to treat everyone kind of the same here. So unfortunately, this is this is the what happened. Um, and obviously, you know, he, he was hurt about it. And that's had to happen a couple of times. So that's the part that sucks about being a CEO and the founder of a company is you got to have hard conversations with people that help get you there sometimes and things you have to do. It's what's best for the company. That plus you have to be transparent. If people live, live in the, you know, the clouds, it's going to be a hard landing. So I think that's very important. Tyler, thank you for sharing that. That's, that's right to the point. Very, uh, very straightforward. I'd like to pivot a little bit into the last part of our conversation. Um, I ask all my guests, um, you know, kind of given the theme of what I'm doing here with the, Commander Rishi podcast based on my book about the four conversations. So I'll ask everybody if you have any you know, tips, tricks, strategies, even better if it's something from a life philosophy. Right? Because as a leader, you have you have to come up with that yourself because you're projecting it out to your employees, customers, vendors, everybody, right? Everything rides on how you see the world and how that expresses itself within your work. So I'd love to hear from you um, the, any, 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 anything you can share with us around those four subjects of, you know, uh, health, conversation about health. Number two is mental models and life skills. Number three is dealing with other people. And number four, anything around the conversation with the God of the universe, whatever that looks like for you. Yeah. Yeah, that's no problem. So, you know, at, at the end of the day, there's a couple of pieces of that. So number one, it's really hard to balance everything in your life, right? Because you have 
you got your, your personal social time, you got your work time, you got your family time, you got your religious time. And, mm-hmm. you know, how do you split all that up and, and keep it equal and keep everybody happy? I, I have yet to find someone that can do, you know, all five things all at once and, and succeed and, and do great at it. So, you know, I rely a lot on my wife, actually, to help keep me in check. So she's got no problem telling me like, hey, you're straying a little too far to that work side of things. You and me both. Um, yeah, yeah, that happens. And, you know, health's another one. I mean, there's there's points I've, I've fought, you know, putting on too much weight and then having to work it off and, and going through that, that cycle. And it gets tough when you start having all the stress of work going on, employees that need to get paid and vendors and big deals and traveling. Uh, it's really tough to keep all that in check. And I can say like my social life, with, like, I don't have a lot of people I would call friends in the social life because I just don't have time. I, I work and I got a family and I got young kids that's and it. something something's got to give. So I think people just need to realize that's OK to to be able to say and choose where you want to spend your time. And you got to do what's important to you and make some sacrifices. Unfortunately, there's not enough hours in the day. Uh, even if the day was 50 hours a day, it still wouldn't be enough time to get everything done. Um, so there's that. And then on the, you know, on the business side. What we, what I really tell all employees is really two things. First of all, just take care of the customers. Like if they're unhappy with the product and they're past their warranty or the return period, just take care of them. You don't want them out there putting bad reviews and bad mouthing you. Like, what do we care about a two hundred dollar return when we're selling fifty million dollars a year? Who cares? Take care of the guy, make him happy. It, it shouldn't be that much of a conversation. So I, I think there's that side of it. And then the other thing that we think we do really good here at Diesel Laptops is we just look at problems differently. So when we look at them, I think a lot of times we always look at it and be like, why is that thing done that way? And it was like, well, it's done that way for 20 years. I'm like, I know why. Like we have new technology. There's new things, new pieces. What if we could do this in a different way? And that's been one of the big successes we've had over here in our space is saying, hey, I think we have a better way for you to do what you're doing. It's going to be more efficient. It's going to cost you less money and it's going to save you time. And when you can when you when you sell that to a customer versus the product, it gets a lot easier to have sales and all of a sudden price doesn't really become an objection. So those are kind of the, you know, some kind of principles. And then one of the businesses, I, I know people, if they follow me on LinkedIn, think we spend money foolishly and take a lot of risks. We don't, we, we actually never take a risk. We can't afford to lose. Right. So we know where the line is. And I think a lot of times people don't know where that line is and they cross it arbitrarily. Um, so we try to keep ourselves in check. Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, I think it's again, Sometimes the best principles are very simple, but most people kind of like, oh, do, 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 do. Steve Jobs said this. Okay, but like down down here on Earth, the rest of us are not, you know, we're not swimming in Silicon Valley or, or what have you. It's it's pretty basic principles, right? Treat people well. Don't be pennywise pound foolish. You know, treat others as you want to be treated, and you know, just uh, make sure that you put others before yourself. And in, in a way. In a way that can be expressed in business just as well as anywhere else. Yeah. And so. in, in our case, a lot of our competition is billion dollar organizations. Mm-hmm. And I just know if we are a little bit more knowledgeable and we treat our customers a little bit better than they do, we're going to win that business every single day because they can't do those things. So mm-hmm. there's some distinct advantages being a smaller, a little more agile company versus some of the big guys. You just got to make sure you play your cards right. Amazing. Tyler, thank you so much. Is there anything uh, I, I didn't ask that I should have? No, I, I think you got it, man. I just want to say I appreciate uh, you allowing me to come on the show. It's been great. It's always great to have conversations like this. And I just hope everyone has a, uh, a great 2022. Beautiful. Tyler, thank you so much. Amazing conversation. Some really great wisdom for our listeners. 
And um, I'd love to do this again sometime. It's, uh, it's, been, it's been a really great conversation. Hey, I'm always here. Thank you much. Happy holidays. Cheers. Thank you so much for listening to Commander-in-Chief Podcast. To apply to be a guest on the show, head on over to cicmediagroup.com backslash guest. CIC is in Commander-in-Chief. So that's cicmediagroup.com backslash guest. These guys, help us spread the word about the podcast and our mission on social media. We're cooking up something truly special over here, and we really need your help to spread the message. The reviews especially are huge for helping us grow and get the golden nuggets of wisdom from our world-class guests out into the world. Go on ahead, give us a review or rating on whichever platform you use to listen. Our mission at Commander Chief Media is to help 100 million people around the world in the next 10 years to do their life's best work in the here and now through storytelling, education media, thought leadership, consulting, corporate training, coaching, speaking and authentic high-quality writing, helping people to become their own commanders-in-chief. And before you go, please make sure to hit that subscribe button for us here at the Commander-in-Chief Podcast so that you can be the first to know when new episodes drop. Let's not be strangers, friend, okay? Please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, wherever you hang out. And, of course, if you want to learn more about our work and impact, or just access some great content. Yeah, plenty of that. Head on over to CICmediagroup.com. That's uh, CIC as in Commander-in-Chief, mediagroup.com. Once more, this is Yuri Kruman, and thanks for listening.